Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in Studio A yet again with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're at least on our second cups of coffee of the day, so uh, just be ready for this one, because uh, we're going to bring it. So uh, the uh, the tour portion this week is called Bo, which means come. It can be found in chapter 10 of Exodus, uh, starting in verse 1 and ending in chapter 13 and verse 16. Um, as we get going with this, if you guys want to reach out, you can find us uh, either on any of our social media platforms. Uh, Pastor Russell's pretty good about uh, responding to you guys there. Uh, or if you want to email me, ryan at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net. You can get me and Pastor Nick at that email address. Um, we both see that email and uh, and whatnot. So uh, the tour portion, Bo, come, is relevant for today. So I say we get going. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's do it. You know what? I'm going to read. Oh. Just remember now the book of Exodus. It's a book of redemption. Okay. A key word found in the book of Exodus is the word deliver. Also, this book is actually from grown to glory. So right now we're still in the deliverance mode here of these chapters because it's chapters 1 through 18 is deliverance. And then, of course, we're going to get into the marriage covenant, the Mosaic covenant in chapter 19. So we are, of course, still in the plague. So here we go. We're getting into this eighth plague now, which is locusts. Let's check out Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. Here we go. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I might show these my signs before him. Okay. And that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know how that I am the Lord. And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow will I bring the locusts into thy coast. And they shall cover the face of the earth, that one cannot be able to see the earth, and they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, which remaineth unto you from the hail, and shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. And they shall fill thy houses and the houses of all thy servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither thy fathers nor thy father's fathers have seen since the day that they were upon the earth unto this day. And he turned himself and went out from Pharaoh. Wow. So here we go. We're getting into this eighth plague. Uh, and of course, uh, Pharaoh's servants told him to let the men uh, go of Israel to serve their God because Egypt was destroyed. Uh, Pharaoh agreed to let the men go, but Moses said that all must go, even their flocks and herds. Yeah, they had to have something to sacrifice. Exodus right? chapter 10, verses 7 through 11. Check it out. Very interesting. Okay, you guys can, uh, you know, you can send the men. But uh, he's like, listen, we need our flocks and our herds to go as well. And so, of course, the locust hit. You know, it's it's public records. You can check this out historically. Uh, you know, swarms of locusts have actually come into the Midwest in the United States of America, but even down in Egypt, even even as recent as a few years ago, during the time of Passover, they had a big locust invasion. You can check it out for yourself. Uh, but what I find interesting... Oh, that's right. Didn't that, that happened in yeah. uh, Mecca. That's right. You know, this is what's interesting. You know, when it talks about here in, in Exodus uh, chapter 10, it actually says here, they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped... Yeah. They shall eat it. You know, it, it's been documented. You can check this out. Locusts uh, eating a trampoline. 
Nothing but the metal is left. Oh they ate God. all the fibers. <laughs> That's crazy. I know. Can you imagine that? Go out to the trampoline and it's gone. Yeah. There's just a metal, you know, just a metal rack sitting there, you oh, know. Wow. Uh, metal and so once again you can check this out but but yeah that's what they do they go in swarms of locusts and uh yeah and they just ate the trampoline ate all the fibers off the trampoline wow that's incredible the um yeah no i've seen the videos and stuff of the the locust plague and they were literally sweeping them up into piles and using like blowers and stuff yeah. that i mean it just covered um mecca it's real it was insane you know, we talk about pestilence and plagues boy locusts is, is the real deal oh yeah it's the real deal so let's go ahead and get into uh, exodus chapter 10 uh verses 21 through 25 i'll continue to read that I'm on a little kick here. Then we'll have Ryan read. Check this out. Now we're going to go from locust uh, to the uh, plague of darkness. Okay, here we go. Uh, I'm going to read uh, Exodus chapter 10, verses 21 through 25. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Ooh, wow. Palpable darkness. Wow that one may feel darkness like a blanket, like thick. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Wow. Think about this, you know. Uh, and so today we bring a sacrifice of praise. You know, your life is an offering, everybody. Think about that. Your life is an offering. But what is darkness? It's simply the absence of light. Did you know that God created darkness? Matter of fact, it says right here, if we go into Genesis, right here, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning. Let's check out Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Oh. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That's actually likened to feathers, if you check this out in the Hebrew, like the Holy Spirit. Is that and the sound it made? That's the sound that I made. Wow, that's official. Fluttering. <laughs> you like that? So, you're getting a kick out of that, huh? I, I just a little and bit. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. You Folks, know, we got professional sound uh, effects. Sound here. effects here. That's right. It's like a movie trailer. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know. What's it, let's say here? Uh, oh, okay. And verse. Well, verse three. And God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. Verse four. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Wow. Between the light, he made a distinction, a division. You know, we are not to be in darkness, okay? And so, darkness for three days. And uh, what did the children of Israel have in their dwellings? Light. Light. <sighs> Hallelujah. You know, when everybody else is in darkness, we have the Holy Spirit. We have Yeshua. We have light. And what is everyone else in the darkness looking for? Light. What does the Bible say? It, it says this, though. This is what's really sad. You know, I personally don't like the darkness in my life. But it actually says that even before Yeshua was born or as he was born, men love darkness more than the light. Yeah. And that's in the Gospels. So, so my thing is confess your sins. You know, he's faithful and just to forgive you. But don't live in darkness. Don't no. do sins in darkness. You know, we're not getting away with anything. That's why these people that come to these Ponzi schemes in darkness, you know, they're going to be found out. You're going to be found out exactly eventually, right. you know, just like with an audit with the, with, the, with the IRS or whatever it is. If you are cheating... Oh, man. You know, you're going to get it. Let it, me just tell you, I do point of sale systems and payment processing for a living, right? And so many, many, many times business owners will, will you know, be trying to work a way around, you know, saving on either uh, sales tax or income tax or whatever 
through through the you know, you know hiding their cash or whatever and, and we don't we don't uh, facilitate that in any way shape or form and so but it's very interesting the number of people that just take it like like it's no big deal like it's totally okay to just lie cheat and steal even just because it's the government right interesting oh, wow yeah so once again you know even as we get into the uh, it's very interesting if you look at the book of Leviticus uh it's actually broken up into two parts, the book of Leviticus, and I'm only bringing this point out. Chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. I love the book of Leviticus, my favorite book. It's like the meat in the sandwich, you know. You got two books to the left. There's Leviticus, two books to the right. But here we have this broken up into two parts, two sections, the book of Leviticus. Chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. But chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. Now, chapter 18 actually goes out with with this uh, title, Forbidden Sexual Practices. And everything listed here is done in secret. Right. Like behind closed doors. Like you don't get to see the act, you know. And so just something to think about. Uh, Ryan, if you don't mind, if you could read, I want everyone to see this. This is very interesting. As we go into this New Testament, we have darkness, which is what plague? The ninth one. So the death of the firstborn is coming, but we have darkness for three days. I want Ryan to read, uh, as we find even Yeshua, a parallel of Yeshua here uh, in, in this particular plague, Matthew 27, 45. Yeah, it says here, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness all over the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out in a uh, loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthini. That is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, he's not saying that God has separated himself from, from, from Jesus or, or from Yeshua, but what he's saying is that he's trying to lead them to the Psalms, yeah. the Messianic Psalms, you know what I'm saying? So, so think about that. So here was darkness when Yeshua was on the cross, right. and then the death of the firstborn is coming. And mm-hmm. I just want to give you that little heads up. We kind of we let you know that in advance. But, but in Exodus chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, it says, And Pharaoh said unto him, Get thee from me. Take heed to thyself, see my face no more. For in that day thou seest my face, thou shalt die. And Moses said, thou hast spoken well, I will see thy face again no more. So I guess Moses has the inside scoop that there are 10 plagues. I think he's got the the inside scoop here. And, And the resolve of Pharaoh, he's so mad, he's so bitter at this point. He says, listen, if I see you again, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. It's come to that. I mean, 10 plagues. Now, I don't know how long it took for all these 10 plagues to take place, but I'm telling you, uh, it was enough time to, to actually uh, get, the, uh, get the Pharaoh really steamed there. So, so any thoughts on that, uh, that actually Mose, Moses says, I will see thy face again no more. Um, any thoughts on, on that particular uh, plague of darkness and... I mean, up to the tenth plague. This is this is uh, this is a precursor, right? I mean, it's it's a, a big deal that you can't even see your hand in front of your face. There's that absolute darkness, and um, you know, and it, it's so funny too because Pharaoh says right here, right, that he doesn't want to see him anymore. And Moses is like, no, oh, don't you worry. You know, we're out. We I know what's coming. You know, Moses has the uh, Moses knows what's coming next. You know, and Pharaoh doesn't, and he tries to warn him and tries to warn him and. He hardens his heart and strengthens his resolve. And well, let's get into the um, the death of the firstborn, both man and beast. In Exodus chapter eleven, verses one through five, kind of Ryan read uh, the public reading of scriptures here. Oh, that's cool. You get to read all the cool stuff. I get to read the death of the firstborn. That's all right. I got it. But you're not a firstborn. Oh, you're right. I'm not. I'm not reading that. <laughs> I'm a firstborn. Roger that. Thank you. <laughs> It'll be my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Get the baby to do it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people uh, favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, 
from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. So here's the question. This is the question. Why is it that God can take the firstborn, Ryan? What gives him the right? The firstborn belongs to him. The firstborn belongs to him. Amen. You know, he gives his firstborn. That's right. In in John 3.16, listen, out of all the verses you could have at a football game, this is the one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. The only begotten son is the one and only son. Think about that. The firstborn belonged to him. All these principles, you know. And of course, uh, the children of Israel were told to borrow from their neighbor uh, jewels of silver and gold. Uh, The Lord gave them favor, and Moses was very great in the land. You know, it's interesting. This is public records that I share this with you uh, as far as a news story. But the government of Egypt was trying to sue Israel uh, for these uh, treasures. They were actually using the Bible as a document like, you know, you took away our jewels and our treasures and we want them back. Reparation, you know, whatever you call it. Yeah. Think about that. That is bizarre, isn't it? And of course, uh, Exodus eleven ten, and Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Now think about it, everybody. Have you ever done something out of spite? And I'm not going to give an example of me because it'd be too easy. I've done things out of spite. If I can't have it, you can't have it. And you got to remember, that's what the enemy's thinking now. You know, he's doing things out of spite. And, and that's not the kingdom of God, you know, to do things out of spite. Listen, Pharaoh is so angry and so mad that he's willing to lose his own firstborn son. He knows the plagues have been called out. Oh, he knows they're going to happen. He's not doubting it, okay? But he hardened his heart so much. He's so selfish and self-centered. Oh, and by the way, that's what Christians can do towards the Jewish people. We can be so selfish and so self-centered that we don't think of their plight or their lot in life, that they're trying to go back to the land of Israel and start a family and do what the prophecies say, but yet we don't want to be a part of that. We just care about where we live and what we're doing. You know, and I think we got to have empathy. We got to really be thinking about empathy. To be that generation to see the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel, Ryan, is incredible. Absolutely. I was born May 11th, 1967, and in June was a six day war, and they took back Yerushalayim. So there I have a city. I have a city to go back to. There you go. You know, it's- after 2,000 years, Ryan, the Jews were not even in the land. Six million died. There was from Ugh. beauty to from from ashes to beauty, but but they were they were put in. They were the sacrifice. They were the burnt offering. Yeah, I mean you know, and so once again, think about what the, the price they paid. I mean, and so I'm like, I owe them that much. The Jewish people gave us Jesus. The Jewish people gave us the Bible. Think about it. But you don't want to be connected to Jewish people. I mean, really, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. No, I get that too. And so here in uh, chapter 11, verse 7, it says, But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know that the Lord does put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. So that's pretty cool because, you know, all of Israel shall be saved. And uh, God's done it before. He'll do it again. Amen. And once again, you know, he, he's, he's actually saying this is going to be the plague, the death of the firstborn. Right. So what's going to happen? Okay, there's going to be some instructions that are given, <clears throat> but I would like to say, you know, in this regards, in this question is actually part of our outline. What is personally holding you back from all the promises that God has for you? Uh, well, I would like to draw a circle uh, around myself and deal with everybody in the circle. I would say that... Uh, is it me, myself, and it I? It is me, myself, and Sounds I. Sounds like a conspiracy. Yeah, it is definitely a conspiracy. I, I would say that operating in my own strength, going back to my default, which is, you know, hey, I'll hustle it, I'll work it out, I'll finagle it, I'll scheme it, you know, whatever it is, uh, rather than depending on God uh, through prayer and supplication and waiting and, and all that kind of stuff. Do you think you could actually birth an Ishmael through something like that? Oh, We all could, couldn't we? Show. We just jumped the gun. Yeah, for sure. That's a good saying. Jump the gun. Do you guys yeah. get it? Jump the gun. Yeah, like a track and field. A track term, and yeah. field. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Jump the gun. False start. 
Yeah, but I mean, operating, we don't need a false start. No, 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 no. Operating in my own strength is definitely the one that I would say that I struggle with when it comes to um, things holding me back from the promises of God, uh, because I I believe that that there is nothing outside of that circle that I just drew around myself right. that can hold me back from God's promises. There's no person, no force, no devil in hell that can keep us from what God has for us, except for us. Crazy, huh? That's good. Yeah. That's very good. I mean, think about it. What What is personally holding you back from all the promises that God has for you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's check out uh, Exodus uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now we're going to get into the Passover. So Ryan's going to read verses 1 through 11. These are powerful verses. These you are, know? yeah, some of my favorite. Bullet points right here. in here is going to be incredible. So once again, we are really in the meat and potatoes right now of this particular Torah portion, uh, which is, of course, uh, it's bow or come. So let's check out verses 1 through 11, chapter 12, the Passover, Pesach in Hebrew. Let's do it. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb... Let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out of uh, out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall uh, keep it for, uh, keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it. In the evening, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head and his legs with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of the remains until morning, that which remaineth uh, of it until morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So what are are some key points that we can get here? First and foremost, that the month of Passover, the month that the Passover occurs in, is the first month of the year. Let no one tell you otherwise. It is the quote-unquote first month of the religious calendar. And then as you guys know, you've heard of Rosh Hashanah. This is the true Rosh Hashanah. Uh, but there is a civil calendar uh, that starts in the seventh month, um, the month of Tishri, with the month of uh, you know tabernacles and uh, trumpets and, the, um, and Yom Kippur. So, but again, this is the first month. On the tenth day of the month, uh, every person is to take a lamb um, or a kid of the goats into their home. Uh, it has to be a male without blemish and of the first year, and they will keep it for four days up until the fourteenth day. And then in the evening on the fourteenth day, they will kill it. Uh, they'll strike the blood on the two side posts and the upper doorpost of the houses. Um, and it's interesting, you know, in this this uh, the symbol of the blood, right, over the top and the sides as a symbol to protect uh, from the the angel of death, right, that is going to go over and kill the firstborn. Um, that this is the sign, right, and it, it just so happens that you hit the first one right uh, at the top and then to the two sides, and uh, and that makes the symbol of the cross. So it's an interesting little prophetic miracle that happens there, uh, where we have the Passover. So. Uh, also, there's, um, you know, I think a lot of people, when they first get into the Hebrew roots, they see the Passover Seder. It can seem a bit overwhelming, uh, but it doesn't have to be overwhelming. The Passover Seder is uh, only takes three ingredients. And if we read uh, verse 8 again, it says, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. So what are the three ingredients uh, needed for Passover? Lamb. Lamb. Unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Boom, look at you. Man, you've done this before. Um, and so uh, let's go ahead and read uh, verse 13. We're going to jump down. It says, I'm sorry, verse 12. I apologize. I'm going to jump down. It says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both of man 
and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So, uh, I mean, very interesting. We, we mentioned uh, how all of the plagues, uh, last week we talked about this, it correlates with uh, a god of Egypt. And uh, in previous years, we've gone through this. So if you guys are interested in that, you can either Google it, and there's some some quick, easy uh, like infographics that you can see of that. But then also, like I said, in previous years in the podcast uh, for this Torah portion and the Vaira Torah portion, we've gone through it. Um, and so uh, the blood shall be for you a token, it says here in verse 13. And it says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So what is it that covers us? The blood. The That's blood right. protects us. Just like today, our Passover lamb, Yeshua, his blood covers our sins, right? It washes them away so that we are white as snow, and then we no longer have uh, to worry about the second death. We have assurance of our salvation through Yeshua. That's appropriating God's redemptive plan, Ryan. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So there's instructions that were given. They had to apply the blood. Yeah. You know, and so in Leviticus 17, 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. Mm-hmm. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Yes. Hebrews 9.22, and of course we get into Hebrews 13.12. So, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Think about it. And, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement. Yeah. An altar shows ownership. But what are we trying to do? Because there, even the original sin, the sin of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And by the way, I didn't get to share this thought. Eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil simply is this, everyone. We always wonder... What kind of fruit, what kind of tree, what's going on here? Just so you understand, when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you are deciding what is good and and what what is is evil. evil. And that's the problem with society today. They're trying to dictate, you know, God's instructions. Yeah, we think we're smarter and we're not smarter. I'll give an example, just like same-sex marriage that was passed by the Supreme Court justices, you know, in America. Yep. Marriage is defined between a man and a woman. Now, you can call it same-sex couples a, a, a union or whatever you want to do, but, but the bottom line is that they went ahead and they redefined marriage. Yeah, That's what we call evil good and good evil. So here, here's the thing. God tells us in his word what is sin. Right. And that's what I love about the Torah. The Torah shows us what sin is. Absolutely. So if you say, well, let's do away with the Torah, the teachings and instructions, then we don't know what sin is. Just like lying, drunkenness, all these things. Well, it's a circular logic, right? Right. You know, how do you? How do? You, <laughs> doesn't sound very logical. Oh wait, we don't sin anymore, but the Torah shows us what sin is and points us to Messiah. But then once we have Messiah, the, the Torah's done away with what? Yeah, and just like when we say we're Christians with Torah, you know, think about this: we hold to the Christian doctrine, okay, of redemption, of salvation. You know, there's no negotiating this. There's no deviating from this. Right. Okay, we simply believe that the Torah is teachings and instructions, that it's relevant for today. And I'll throw this out. You know, over 200 commandments in the Old Testament refer to the temple alone. So we don't have to worry about that. But I'm saying that, remember, these are the things that you get to do. So why don't we check out, let's read John 129, Ryan, if you could just read that. John 129. So we're talking about the blood. We're talking about a lamb. We're talking about applying the blood. So let's check out John one twenty nine. All right. It says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Wow. He's a lamb. You know, some people have even said, uh, you know, well, why didn't Yeshua die on the Day of Atonement? Mm. Why didn't he do that for corporate forgiveness or whatever he needed? Well, he's not a goat. Well, yeah, that and, and that's coming. I mean, you know, he, he was fulfilling he, he, Passover. He's not a goat. You know, uh, going back to the Day of Atonement, had they had not done the Golden Calf Incident, there would no be Day of Atonement. There, yeah. But because of the Golden Calf Incident, what happened? The place was defiled, right. and the people were defiled. Right. So why do you have the two goats on the Day of Atonement? Check this out. Now we're talking about livestock and blood. Well, the bottom line was that, you know, they committed idolatry that led to sexual immorality. 
Uh, now, the, uh, the, the episode that happened at Baal Peor before going into the promised land was the reverse. Sexual immorality turned into idolatry. Mm-hmm. So it's reversed. But they're like synonymous. They go together. So remember that. The enemy's trying to do two things. Even in the book of Numbers, you can see this. Uh, we're being inundated with the occult and sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Bar none. Those are the two things you have to avoid. So here's a great question uh, in regards to this um, and, and, and the sacrifice and, and bleeding. Uh, Ryan, what body parts did Yeshua bleed from before dying on the cross? What are some of the references that, that, that we can actually list here as far as he did shed his blood? Um, so he, uh, they put a crown of thorns on his head That's right. to make fun of him, so he bled from his head. Uh, they striped his back with uh, cat of nine, nine tails, tails so, yeah. so his back was bleeding. Uh, they nailed his hands and his feet to the cross, and so he's right. bleeding from his hands and his feet. And they, they uh, pierced his side um, with a spear, and that uh, and then there was blood and water. It says that came blood out and there. water came yeah. out. You know, it's, uh, one of the uh, uh, quite a few doctors said that if they had to do an autopsy, that Yeshua died of a heart attack. Right. That was a sign of blood mixing with water. Broken heart. Uh, a broken heart. Imagine that. And uh, you cannot deny that fact, everyone, that Yeshua truly existed. He walked this earth. He is the Son of God. He's the Son of Man, the Son of David. And that, he, and he died for our sins. You know, uh, and, and that's why, you know, and, and, and thank you, Holy Spirit. This is why I want to share something with all of you. Uh, the fact is that uh, Yeshua is Yahweh. Yahweh is Yeshua. The divinity of God, you know, the, the Godhead. Because here's the thing. If he was just a man, then God didn't really love us. But see, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So he came in the person of Jesus Christ, the yes. son of God, in, in human form, but 100% God. Now, he's without sin. And I know the God has, is mysterious, you know. But the thing is, we have to understand this. Because here's the thing. How could just the Son of God do all these miracles and all wow. these things and divide, you know, the thing that he, he just he just multiplied food, he did all these things. Yeah. You know, he's God. Remember, people would come and worship him. And he didn't say that's only for the Father. He received the worship. For those of you struggling with the Godhead or the deity of Yeshua, the Gospel of John is very, very, very clear that Yeshua is God, okay? And, and why is this so important? Because you have the spirit of Antichrist trying to deny that fact. Well, he didn't really love you, you know, and so he did love us, and he came in the person of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, he saved him with an outstretched arm. He is the right hand of God, and at the right hand of God is Yeshua, the Son of God. So so when God wanted to come in the flesh, he came in the person of Jesus Christ, but yet we, we still have a hard time with that, but we believe Clark Kent is Superman. Well, if you don't get it, uh, maybe that's the point. Maybe having to figure that out, like you're not going to scientifically put God in a box. God no. is the creator. He is not the creation, right? right. So you're not going to be able to, if you if this is a point you struggle with and I'll you're like, you. no, Jesus is not God, you know what, then the, first off, maybe this podcast isn't for you, um, especially if that's a sticking point for you. It's definitely something that we believe, we hold to, that is doctrine, that is deity. Oh, absolutely. And, but he is deity. There's just, there, right. you don't get the New Testament. You don't get to, to claim that you're a Christian and, and then deny the deity of Yeshua. And you know, as, as we develop this plan of redemption, it's so cool that we acknowledge what God has asked us to do. Yeah. So he gave us a way out. He's like, okay, listen, you messed up in the garden, but this is what I'm going to do for you. This is the protocol. It's a bloody gospel. Yeah. Now, the Feast of Passover is a memorial and to be kept forever. So it's a one-day event. And now we're going to go into seven days you are to eat unleavened bread, mm-hmm. counting, of course, Passover. Now, the first and seventh day of unleavened bread are holy convocations and no work shall be done. Exodus chapter 12, verses 14 through 16. So did you just say that verse 14 says that the Feast of Passover should be kept for how long? Seven days. No, forever. Forever, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unleavened bread and Passover forever. You're right. So yeah, I, forever. So it's it repeats it again in verse 24. And so what part of forever do we not get, right? Uh, they were celebrating it in Moses' time. They were celebrating it in Yeshua's time. We should still be celebrating it today. Why? Because forever is not over yet. <laughs> and you know, let me remind everyone that if 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 the apostle Paul were alive today and he would want to send a letter out to the local churches, let's check out the uh, church in Corinth. Let's look at First Corinthians chapter five, 
verse 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Come on. Wow. Let me write that down. That's 1 Corinthians 5, verses 7 and 8. Wow, check it out. That is so cool. Yeah, so once again, you know, think about this. So when we're born again, you can't get more born again. When you give your life to the Lord and you're born again, you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Well, here's the thing. Now there's seven days of unleavened bread. Now we're working on getting this leaven out. You know, a day to the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. And so we are actually approaching the 6,000-year mark for, for man uh, since Adam and Eve, basically, Right now, they're saying 5780, but we don't know the exact year or, or dates. But we know that we're closing in on something incredible. So let's move on, and we're going to check out Exodus chapter 12. And Ryan's going to read verses 29 through 36. All right, here we go. It says, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, and there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses. Uh, and he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among any, uh, from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. And the people took their... Dough before it was leaven, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians silver uh, and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Wow. So what happened at midnight in the land of Egypt, Ryan? What happened? Oof. Uh, the death of the firstborn? Yeah. The Lord smote all the firstborn in Egypt from man to cattle. Wow. Now, why would he do the cattle to, to prove that he's God? Oh, yeah. That he is, he is the God of all creation. You know, I always teach my kids about the plants and the animals. They were made before us. Respect them. Yep. Respect wildlife. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like anything. And... Uh, and so now all of a sudden, you know, did, did Pharaoh finally let Moses and the children of Israel go along with their flocks? Yes, he did. He, he did. did. He's, actually, he drove them out. He said, get out! You know what? <laughs> this is interesting. Yeah. The guy was so hardened that he's willing to give up his own firstborn. Ugh. I'm not letting you go. Yeah, he's bluffing. Gosh, we gotta, we got to let it go, like Frozen. we got to let it go. Let it go. Now, let I want it you, go. Okay. I want you to read... Okay. Exodus 12, 31 and 32. So now here's the response of Pharaoh at this point in time. Tenth plague, lost his son, lost the firstborn. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone and bless me also. And bless me also. Come on. Like, okay, I've had enough. Bless me also. Yeah. That's... But we know what Pharaoh's going to do. That's right. He still hardens his heart, but we won't get into all that. Now, what three things did the children of Israel borrow from the Egyptians? Jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. Just like God that's said. Right. Clothing. Clothing. Check it out. Now, I want you guys to, to picture this now. Why, why did God want the children of Israel to get all these things? Because they're going to build something for God. That's right. They're going to build something for God. They're going to give something. Well, they might build something else too, but you know, we're not going to talk about that We're going to talk about that later. <laughs> in Exodus chapter 12, verses 37 and 38, And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot, about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children, 
And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks, and herd, even very much cattle. Interesting. Uh, this word, mixed multitude, is the Hebrew word adab. Adab. Matter of fact, let me see if I can find that here. Adab. Let's look it up. 6154 in the, in the Strong's Concordance. 6154. This is a mixed multitude. See, you can do that because you have a keyword study Bible. I have to use my smartphone to do that. I, I know. And hopefully you all have internet. That's, ex- that's what I mean. Yeah. 6154. Yeah. Check this out. <coughs> it's the Hebrew word adab, mixed multitude. So not only did, did Israel come out, but some Egyptians came out. Yep, absolutely. Some other people. Check out what this word means. It means like a web, threads of cloth, okay, a mongrel race, a mingled people. Mm. You know, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what comes to my mind as you look at this verse. Remember... Beit Tehillah? Abraham. <laughs> yes. He gathered a lot of people to himself. He sure did. He created this militia. He had a militia. And when he went after Lot, his servants that were actually born in his house. So he actually gathered some people. They had children. And he actually created a small village. Yeah. I mean, we, we won't get into all that, but, but it's public records. It's right there. It's right there in the Bible. Very interesting. Now, this is what else is interesting is that, and the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot. So Ramses represents Egypt or the world. And what is God going to bring where is he going to bring all the nations? To Sukkot. To tabernacle. To tabernacles. Huh. See, if you can't do Beit Tehillah, you can't do what's coming. And this is what I'm saying. God is gathering. He is extending the, the gathering process all around the world. And as you're listening to this podcast, that's why it's, it's being so successful. You know, that's why it's going out because it's a message for the hour. And listen, you can share this with unbelievers. What the Bible says. This is an incredible story. No twisted plots. It's a real story unfolding right before people's eyes, right before their very eyes. It's unfolding. So this mixed multitude comes out. The Apostle Paul is from the tribe of Benjamin, and he goes to the house of Joseph to pull out a people for his namesake, and he's talking about the grafting in process. He's like, listen, I was sent to you wild branches because, you know, wild thing. I think I I love you, but I want to know for sure. But I want to know for sure. But then there's the natural branches. So remember, they were broken off for their unbelief. That's right. So that we could come in. Yep. Now, what's going to happen to the natural branches when they believe? Oy vey. Boy, that's going to be a strong called, olive tree. It's called life from the dead. That's going to be that's going to be a strong olive tree. So, so actually, the 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 Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. It says by their armies, mm-hmm. by their armies. You know, it's interesting in the Valley of Dry Bones. Is that is that Ezekiel? Yep. Uh, the Valley of Dry Bones, I believe, is is thirty seven. It's thirty seven, but uh, he says, you know, all these bones and flesh become what an exceeding great army that's right now isn't that interesting slave mentality didn't know the god of abraham isaac and jacob for all those years Mm -hmm. unless it was you know through the oral torah but but the slave mentality and he brings them out by their armies now here's the interesting thing we don't know how many people came out of egypt we just don't know but it says about six hundred thousand on foot that were men right so add their wives, that's 1.2 million, and some children. You could, you could easily hit 2 million people came out of Egypt. Yeah, for sure. Now, this is what's interesting. Right now, the population in Egypt is around 90 million. So you got to be thinking about this. Wow. So they went from 70 souls. You can do the math. They went from 70 souls with Jacob and his children and his grandchildren, 70 souls even ending up at 600,000 in 400 years. Do the math. Yeah, that's incredible. That's like mice and rabbits. They are reproducing. Yeah, they are. They are reproducing. And, and so what happens? The question is, what was to be sanctified unto the Lord, Ryan? The firstborn among the children of Israel, both man and beast, all the firstborn. Wow. So what, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, bow or come? In Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 through chapter 13 and verse 16, what two lessons can be learned for the Torah portion of Boer come? Uh, well, I would say first and foremost, don't get comfortable in the world, right? Don't get comfortable. 
uh, because when it's time to go, God's going to call you out, and uh, and it's time to go. And you're going to have oil in your lamp. Uh, uh, the only thought that I have on this particular uh, tour portion, Ryan, is I don't know the exact year, but I was in a box plant for 15 years, and my job was all the printing that went on the boxes, I was responsible for that, for each machine that would print all these boxes. Uh, sometimes one color, two color. I think they even got up to four colors, <coughs> four colors on a box. Yeah. So this, think about like an ink pad, you know, like a like a printing job. If you put this like blanket on a on a cylinder mm-hmm. and it picks up ink and it s- spins around and the boxes go through and it prints. Yeah. I mean, you could do so many boxes in a minute. I mean, it, it's fast. Yeah. And when there's a jam up, it's 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 a jam up. It could actually ruin your your. They're called dies, printing dies. But I was in this department for for or this uh, department where all the printing went on the boxes, Ryan. And so, uh, and so, uh, my first. Uh, um, uh, experience with the Torah was back in, uh, of course, 1999 in the fall. But to make a long story short, as I was in the box plant working, I was putting together the Torah questionnaire. And the Torah questionnaire was a way for people to, 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 to look at the question, find the chapter and verse, and answer it and read the Torah portion. And then at the very end of the Torah questionnaire, it says, I have read the Torah portion and answered all the questions. So it was a tool to help people to get into the Torah. So I'm in the break room and I'm doing the Torah questionnaire. So I've done Genesis. I'm getting into Exodus now. And I come to this Torah portion, bow or come. Mm. I got my paper, my pen, and I get this little break in between my, my shifts. And I'm doing the Torah questionnaire. And I'm sitting in, in the break room. And the Lord says to me, via the Holy Spirit, you're going to put in your 30-day notice. You're going to give them 30 days. You're going to go into full-time ministry. And I just put the pencil down. I was like, what? Yeah. Dude, no, no, no. I was scared to pick the pen up and finish the Torah question. So he, like three times he was telling me this. So then I go home and I tell my wife, I said, honey, the Lord has impressed upon me that I need to give my 30-day notice and go full-time ministry. And it was so funny because she just looked at me, you know, because that's the last thing you want to do to your wife is not give her provision (laughs) or or pull the purse strings, you know. Uh, And so, you know, she was a little concerned. She says, "Are, are you sure you heard from God? Yeah. Is this God? So it wasn't like he was speaking to her and me. Yeah. I was trying to get her buy-in. And of course, she accepted it. But I did it and never looked back. Yeah, wow. So I would say this to those of you that are listening. Just be obedient. Yes. You know, I was in a box plant for 15 years in a department, a captive audience, you know. Uh, I didn't get to really share the gospel with new people and different things in the workplace. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Uh, but I but I was there, and I would share what I could share, and I would pray for people and do different things. But it was a captive audience. You know? Same group. Yeah. Kind of like Jeremiah the prophet. It's the same people. Yeah, you and Baruch. You know, and, and I would be washing dyes and, and working in my department. And I'm just like, gosh, I'm ever going to get out of here, you know? And the Lord's like, <laughs> remember Joseph? He thought he was getting out. It yeah. was another two years, but that was another word. But I only share that story to encourage all of you that God is wanting to, of course, call us out. So my second point um, has to do with uh, chapter 12 and verse 49. Refresh us with the, with the first point again. So my first point was don't get comfortable in the world. Don't get comfortable in the world. Because when God calls you out, it's, it's time to go, right? So, I mean, the Torah portion is called bow, which means come, but it also means go, right? So bow is kind of a, a get going type of a, of, a, of a word. But chapter 12, verse 49 says, One law shall be to him that is homeborn and unto the stranger that sojourn among you. Thus did all the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And so I think it's important for us to recognize if you're on the fence and you're like, man, like, I feel like I'm being called to this Torah stuff, but like I've been in the church all my life and they've told me that, you know, Paul says the law's done away with and this and that. It's not relevant to me. We love the Apostle Paul. Oh, yeah, listen, Paul, that's not what Paul's Do saying. Do not throw so, Paul's letters yeah, out. Yeah, no, for, for sure. Don't, don't do that. But my point being that you've heard these kind of false teachings or false doctrines that have been purported within the church over the years, just like I did, just like anybody else that goes to church did, that, hey, that's that stuff's done away with, that's not relevant for us, and, and all that. Um, but once you get the understanding that you've been grafted in, that you're grafted into Israel, and then you become a sojourner, right, essentially, in that in that sense, well, it says right here, one law, not, not even even certain sects of Judaism will tell you that the Torah is not relevant to Gentiles, right? They have the Noahide laws or, or other, again, other uh, harebrained ideas that man has come up with. But right here it says, One law shall be to him that is homeborn 
and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. Thus did all the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. Uh-oh. Yes, I think it's only appropriate that we uh, take the name of Jesus and make it into Yeshua for this song. Uh, this is nothing but the blood. Amen. And uh, it is a bloody gospel. So we want to thank Yeshua for shedding his blood. And this is nothing but the blood. So what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Yeshua. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Yeshua. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Yeshua. Hallelujah. Awesome. Man, what a great Torah portion. We owe so much to the Lord, to His Son, and we just... There's just nothing that we could ever do to repay him for what he does through the Passover, through saving us with a right hand and an outstretched arm. And so we just thank him for that. And so uh, thank you guys for listening. What a blessing it is to be here uh, doing this tour portion with you guys week in and week out. We appreciate you listening. If you want to reach out, you can uh, email me at ryan at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net. Uh, you can call the office at 813-654-2222. And then don't forget to live stream our services, um, worship together with us. Uh, if you don't have a community that you can go to on Shabbat, uh, we want you to, to at least be part of our community, even if it's only through the internet. Um, and you can do that through uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Sabbath, uh, every Sabbath day, every Saturday um, at 11 a.m. And you can do it on YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook, any of the social media channels. And so uh, we love you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>